podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Minefield podcast from Anfield Index Pro, your sports psychology podcast where myself and Dr. Andrew Vincent sit and break down some sort of psychological theory and make it applicable to us as football fans. And this is part three of our World Cup series, mini-series, Andrew, of podcasts looking at the ethics around the World Cup and it taking place in Qatar and given that we're so close to it kicking off right now today myself and Andrew are going to delve into whether to watch or not watch so Andrew before we get into it how are you doing today well I'm I am very proud to be in the company of award winner (laughs) Alan O'Donoghue for outstanding contributions to young people in his county which I don't know the name of um, for for all of those uh, people out there, Andrew, you've just thrown me under the bus there. Thank That's you. Fine. I appreciate Very that. Very uh, Absolutely, yeah. Because it's a big deal. I've thrown you on top of the bus. So everyone <laughs> who's watching the bus drive by can give you the round of applause that you deserve. I'll have to do the uh, Jurgen Klopp one to six on my fingers, you know. Uh, and then you have six awards. Uh, well, I'm, I'll just take six awards. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I've won an award unexpectedly, unbeknownst to me. And tonight is the uh, is the ceremony where you know I get to go and pimp myself up, and I'm assuming there's going to be like a big check and all that kind of stuff that comes with it. And if and if there is, Andrew, I'm going to share it with you. You know, that's nice of you, but <laughs> by all means, I think you've done the hard work here. <laughs> So, getting back to what we're here for, the serious nature of the World Cup. Um, I suppose I'd love to get your reflections on the previous two podcasts with Jose and Russia, which were really powerful. And I felt very privileged to be able to sit and listen to both of them talk about their experience and knowledge. So from your perspective, what do you, what do you take away from those two podcasts and how maybe have they influenced you in terms of how you're viewing the world cup and it taking place in Qatar? Yeah. I I mean, I think first of all, in terms of what I'm taking from those is like a deeper understanding of the reality for some of the, people in Qatar in the lead up to the World Cup, right? And so with Jose, like understanding the Kafala system and like, you know, he had sent us uh, a resource, which was from Human Rights Watch, right? Was the report on um, like the reality for migrant workers there and what they've gone through and the number of deaths. And so, you know, for me, that was information I knew in some kind of background way, but not information I knew in detail. So just having a better sense of what people were enduring and what people were going through and how that was working. And, um, you know, that was important information Then I think, you know, from Russia really having an understanding of like just the level of not even just discrimination, but like state sponsored punishment of LGBT people in Qatar and, um, you know, how that plays out in the form of people essentially being kidnapped and held by security forces for months, um, you know, with no real recourse, no information, no, um, you know, record of that on the way out. And so I think like those two things, first and foremost, is just really understanding more than a cursory bit of information about like, oh, it's this has been bad for people and, you know, people died building the buildings and, you know, they're not very good with LGBT rights, but having like a deeper understanding of those things, I think has been really important for me. Mm. Yeah, I would 
echo that, I suppose. And um, I suppose when we think about originally, right back in the summer when we started talking about, you know, the new season kicking off and what we wanted to cover and with the World Cup break ahead of it, um, definitely both of us felt that while we had read bits and pieces or heard narratives around the Qatari World Cup, we wanted to get that deeper understanding. We wanted to get people on board who were experts or who had knowledge, deeper knowledge of of the region and what has been going on in relation to the World Cup. And while we got tons and tons of information, um, I that helped me, I suppose, clarify my position anyway. Um, there's another part of me who would kind of be curious. I would have loved to have got a FIFA um, representative on to, to do a podcast with them. Uh, but let's be honest, we probably wouldn't have got the actual truth out of them. But, you know, I, I do think there is, and this is why we wanted to have this conversation, there is still the discussion around, I'm a football fan, that's all I care about. And the World Cup is one of the biggest moments in football at any point at any given moment in time and I don't care in adverted commas where it is I don't care what the situation is in the country I just want to watch the football and not think about that stuff because there's so much shit in the world anyway that I have to think about and worry about that football is my outlet and that's the thing that gives me joy and happiness so that I don't have to think about how challenging the the world is to people and I'm curious to get into this with you because like I said Jose and Rasha's um, conversations with us definitely cemented in me my decision to not watch the World Cup and like I've I've said to you and I've said to other people, if Ireland were in it, maybe that would be a harder decision for me to follow through on. But and and I suppose what I do need to emphasize is that me and my wife and my children, we are football mad. Like we love football. Every single World Cup we go and we get the sticker collections and we fill in the sticker books and we get the posters and we write down all the results and we sit down together and we watch the matches together. Like it is an event in our household that we all love and adore. And we all feel a sense of sadness and disappointment that that's not going to be the case. And I've no doubt there's probably listeners going out there who might be saying, Jesus, Alan, don't be such a prick to your kids. Let them watch the football if they want. And I'm not going to stop them. Um, they're teenagers. They t- probably tell me to piss off anyway. But um, like, I, I, I am letting them know the reasons why we won't be watching it as a family and why we won't be engaging it as a family. And those were cemented by the information that I got. Now, I know with Jose's interview, he was saying that boycotting or not watching the World Cup maybe isn't the best form of protest. And while I completely appreciate his perspective and his view on that, for me, it's just where I land with it. Mm-hmm. What about you? I still don't know yet, you know? And I certainly wouldn't characterize my position as like, I don't give a shit about <laughs> what happened to anybody. I'm just going to watch it because this is my outlet and escape, you know? Like, I think something that was important to me is that before... I made any sort of decision or before I watched it, I had a real understanding of what people had been through. And I had taken some time to try to under understand or imagine like what that would be like. And I think like um, something that can drive me a little bit crazy from time to time, and it's often not how it's intended, but it can, um, you know, is when someone is telling something about someone really hard and the response from the other person is just like, oh, I can't even imagine. And sometimes I think that's respectful of like, oh, what you're going through is more than I can imagine. But sometimes it would be like, from certain people, it's just like, try for a second and see what that's like. And imagine if your family member had gone over there to earn money for your family and then never came back because of these conditions. Or try to imagine that your family member or yourself were transgender and were essentially kidnapped and held somewhere and abused somewhere for two months 
with no idea if you were going to leave, no idea what could happen to you, no power over yourself. And like, I think when you put yourself in those positions, like imagine it, of course you can never know what that would actually be like, but like take a second to do your best to imagine. And like, you know, hopefully there's enough there that you'll feel something and kind of be able to like, I felt really heavy after that podcast with Russia, other than the fact that like she was incredible and like talking to her was incredible. Um, you know, just really thinking through some of the realities over there, um, was really heavy. And I think like since that time world cup rosters were announced and like, um, I haven't looked at any of them. Like I have a sense of obviously who's been on the U S roster and I, like, I haven't really looked. And like, part of it for me is like, it's not even about, am I going to watch or not? Like this world cup already feels different. You know, like usually I am so excited for the World Cup. The World Cup was where like I started to appreciate and enjoy soccer, right? Like, you know, it wasn't like a super popular sport where I grew up. Like, you know, everyone played it like a little bit when you were in elementary school. And then at some point, most people stop and you play other sports and then some people keep playing. But, you know, if you had asked uh, less evolved 13-year-old version of Andrew Vincent what he loved soccer, I basically would have just told you it was a girl's sport and to get out of here. And like, it's unevolved for a lot of reasons. Like I've obviously matured for, in multiple ways, not just my um, appreciation of soccer, but like, um, yeah, like I think the, the 2006 World Cup was really like awesome. It was the first time I had like connected with the sport, you know, I watched it with my friends and like, you know, every time the USA scored, we ran around our neighborhood with an American flag and then we'd go back in and keep watching. I don't think we scored that many goals. So <laughs> not, I think two. So both times we scored, um, you know, we ran around with an American flag and, you know, that, that was really a lot of fun. And since then, like soccer's still about all those same people for me and connecting with those same people. And like, we support different teams and whatever, but like, um, you know, this is kind of, we missed the last world cup. And so this has been something I've been looking forward to is a chance to kind of like support like the USA with these people. Again, we, we would go every, every other summer, like we would go see the USA play in the gold cup, which most people probably never heard of the gold cup. And like, I'm not surprised, but like we would go and that was always a blast. And, um, you know, like, so this is a big deal for the USA to be in the world cup. And this is kind of like where it all started. And I think like, are you that person who has everything? the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and a license with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I love the World Cup, usually. Um, and in some ways, like it, it matters whether I want, I watch. And like that, I still have to grapple with that. And you'll probably hear me grapple with it live on air here in a couple minutes. But like, I think for me, this already feels different. Like I can't engage with any World Cup content with also without feeling some of the things that I've heard, you know, and like remembering some of the things that I've heard. And it just feels different. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. There's no way it's possible for me to engage with this World Cup the way that I've engaged with other World Cups. It's just not possible. Hmm. And I think that's where some of the, the challenges lie. And when it is such a big part of of you and and your love of the sport, like for me, I can go back much earlier than 2006, but I can go back to Italia 90 when mm-hmm. Ireland qualified for their first ever World Cup. And like it was euphoric. The, the country just went bananas probably very similar to what you guys experienced. And also, I think maybe we did score only two goals. No, we probably scored three goals maybe in Italia 90. But we got to, did we get to the quarterfinals? We got to the quarterfinals, yeah. And we're really unlucky not to beat Italy. 
Toto Scalacci, you prick. Um, but it it there's there's something about the World Cup being in the summer where you know there is that break where you know the the league is finished so you're you're the nation comes together and you know there's a bit of banter between friends now like so if you you and I were playing against each other in the world cup we could have that bit of banter and all that kind of stuff and it's it, so straight away when they moved it to mid season i think that had such a an adverse impact on a lot of people's thinking of the World Cup, their inclination to watch it, their desire to watch it. It just doesn't feel right for so many people. And like I've said a number of times, I'm in a couple of WhatsApp groups for Liverpool fans and even the guys who are like big gamblers, you know, they're betting on, you know, how many corners James Milner's going to take with his left foot and how many he's going to take with his right foot and how many times he's going to get yellow carded in a match and blah, blah, blah. Like, there's, there's just no conversation about it. There's no, sorry, there's very little conversation about it and there's very little excitement about it. And I don't just think that's because Ireland aren't in it. I think because this, like, we are in the middle of a season. And I think, yeah, I, I think that the timing of it definitely plays a role for sure. And like, I, I think the other thing is just like everyone, everyone has their eyes open about what's going on here. You know, like there's no one in that boat who's just like, as far as I know, who's just totally ignored it. Even if someone's ignored the details of people dying and what the kafala system is and how LGBT people are treated, like they know that it's not good. Right. And like, I, I think that that plays a big role in the silence, too, I think, as mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are wrestling with, like, what does it mean for me to engage with this World Cup? And, you know, I, I think some of the big things, too, like talking to Josie and Russia is like um, trying to understand is the World Cup a good thing for Qatar and the, like the people of Qatar, you know, for human rights in Qatar? And like the answer there is like probably not, you know, like it's it's probably not going to change much of anything. Um, maybe there's going to be more attention, but like the big opportunities to increase scrutiny or increase political pressure in a way that might have created lasting change have passed. And so, you know, that's that matters, you know, like I, I don't think just like being hiding behind the argument of like, no, this is a good thing. But like, I also think engagement has brought awareness in a way that I wouldn't have been aware otherwise. You know, like I, these kafala predated the World Cup. This treatment of LGBT people predated the World Cup. And like, I would never have known of those things. Like I would have had probably some other understanding of it. I wouldn't have known about the human rights stuff and the kafala system and how that plays out. Um, and so, like, that's important, too, is, like, is is that good? Is that increased awareness good? Like, is my increased awareness good if I don't really do anything about it? Like, I, I don't really know. Does boycotting the World Cup punish Qatar? Does it punish FIFA? You know, I think that's the other question that I have for myself is, like, is my boycotting going to make a difference? You know, is that the point of it? Is that the point of my statement? Is, like, you know, am I saying I'm not going to watch it? because like that'll really show them and i think like my my feeling on that is sort of like whether i watch or not is not really going to matter to anyone on a big picture level and like i understand the arguments like yeah but if everyone doesn't watch then it will but like that's that's not where we're at we're a week before the world cup and every like that's not what some people aren't watching but that's not there's engagement with the world cup and there's going to be engagement with the world cup whether i'm watching or not FIFA is going to make their money. Sponsors are going to make their money. Qatar is going to get their recognition, whether I participate or not. And so, you know, with that sort of being the case, you know, that's certainly not to criticize your decision, Al. But, like, that's just something I I feel like is the reality of that is, like, it it doesn't matter whether I watch or not, maybe on some level. But then at some level, maybe it does. And this is why I'm stuck. Yeah. And... I think you 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 bring up a really interesting point 
So I think a lot of people will have that viewpoint of, I am just one person, so if I choose not to watch the World Cup, it actually is not going to have any difference because it's going to take everybody not watching the World Cup for it to actually have an impact. But that's not true either. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I think the whether it's 1% of the World Cup watching population not watching or 2% of the World or 20 or 30 or 40% of the World Cup watching population not watching or not supporting or not tuning in. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Every, there is importance in everything that we do on a personal level for ourselves, but on an energetic level in this world. So, yes, you're right. I agree with you. There is not going to be regime, regime change in Qatar. They're not just going to host the World Cup and then all of a sudden allow LGBT people be open and free in their home country. They're not going to give women equal rights. They're not going to allow women to book hotels or LGBT women book hotels without having a man with them. That's not going to change. But I think there is an importance in each of us making a stand and that's why it is not just about not turning the TV on. Maybe it is about not turning the TV on and going to social media and saying, I'm not turning my TV on. And that creates a groundswell. Or connecting with the likes of LGBT organisations like Outright International. Or, you know, getting in touch with Russia and seeing how can I contribute to the voice. To, to let people know that this is not okay. And ultimately, it is the sponsors. So I can refuse to interact with the sponsors. Absolutely. That makes a difference. And again, if only 1% of the people make a, 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 a decision to not engage with the sponsors, then the sponsors will absolutely have a lot of influence over FIFA and things going forward. And that's where we can start to see maybe a potential change where FIFA in the future may be held more accountable than they have been to date. And yes, it's not FIFA's role to have to instigate regime change anywhere in this world, but it is their role to not bring a major sporting event, the biggest sporting event in the world, to places that don't support human rights. And if, like, Andrew, you made the point, and it's so important, we have to put ourselves in other people's shoes. Like, imagine if you were walking out your front door and somebody just came along and picked you up and threw you in the back of a van and your wife and your son have no idea where you are for potentially months on end, where you get beaten, where there's no record of your detainment and you have to make a commitment to change something fundamental about you because somebody else has decided that and that that's okay. Like, it's absolutely horrendous. 
It's absolutely horrendous that I could go to work as the sole breadwinner in my household and be have my my passport taken off me, be given minimal food, be put in huts in temperatures that would kill anybody. And then if I fall down on my knees, I get thrown to the side and allowed to die. And somebody is just put in my place as if my life on this planet was had no value whatsoever. And then it gets recorded as a, a natural death so that they don't have to give my family any money. These things matter, and I know what will come. What people will come back with will, you know, we all have cognitive dissonance, and I will say that absolutely we do. So you and I are talking on a computer that both of our computers should probably have cost us ten to a hundred times more than what they did cost us if there was fair value given to it, and if adults were actually given the money to mine the the, the elements that were there. So I, I completely get that. And and that's why I, I will not not say to anybody, you should not watch the World Cup as a protest. I will not say that to anybody. We all have to make our own decisions. But for me, I have to make my own decision. And that's why I can't, in all good faith, sit and watch something that I love. <laughs> I love it. It's been a huge part of my life for so long. But... The importance of people being treated fairly in relation to this right now is important enough for me to make the decision not to do it. I have a lot of respect for that decision and for that argument and like the impassioned way that you presented it. And I think it's really important like that that's reiterated in really personal terms. Like, yeah, like how would you feel if this was you? I think that's so important. Like you... Whether you watch or not, you're responsible for understanding the consequences that your actions have on other people. And even though, you know, we're not snatching people from their homes, like if if you're choosing to participate in some ways, like you're responsible for knowing what's going on there. I I really do believe that. Um, You know, here's a, a big one for me, too, in the conversation with Josie was, um, you know, he talked about. Why is it easier for there to be moral outrage towards Qatar than was the case in Russia and then might be the case in, you know, USA, Canada, Mexico in four years? And I think, you know, that that's an important question. And, like, you know, I, I think we shouldn't just say, oh, well, there's problems everywhere, so not pay attention. There's a difference between what human rights look like in the United States and Canada and Mexico as compared to Qatar. There's a difference in what LGBT rights look like in Canada and, well, at least can the United States. I don't know as much about Mexico as compared to Qatar. That being said, the World Cup will be in the United States in four years, and, like, Trump's running again. And there's a scary governor in Florida named Ron DeSantis, and not to get too political, but he's passed legislation, basically, that is homophobic legislation and anti-gay legislation. That's, so, you know, that that could be the climate that the World Cup is walking into in the United States in four years. And I, I think, like... You know, for my part, being mindful of that, too, is like, you know, we the United States is far from a perfect record on human rights. And um, I think that matters in the calculations around this. And, like, will I go to a game if there's going to be a game nearby? Like, will I watch then? Will I ever watch a World Cup again? You know, like, is there a place in the world that has a, a perfect record? And I think, like, look, like, we're not talking about Qatar being like, well, they're close to perfect. You know, like, that's not the case, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, I think that's something that I want to be really mindful of, is not, you know, it would be easy for me to endorse this outrage towards Qatar and then be like, oh, good, it's the United States, so now we're okay, and I think that would be so blind. And, like, um, I don't know, like, I, I think, I go back and forth because, like, I understand and really connect with your argument, Al, this matters. And, like, it's just more right to not watch it. Sometimes that's how I feel, you know? And then I think other times it's, like, there's something important about doing both. Like, with the cognitive dissonance, like, 
engaging with the World Cup and feeling all of the feelings that come with imagining these situations and like holding both of those at the same time, which we're getting kind of therapisty now. But like the idea of there being like, this is how we learn about other people's realities in the world and this is how we move forward. And like, um, you know, this is not what I'm saying is how you're going to do it at all, Al, but I think there's people who will boycott it and then be like, good, pat on the back for me. That's that. Done. You know, like I did my part. Yeah. And I think like that, is that better or worse or the same? Or, you know, what is that? And I, like, I don't know. Like I have no judgment on it except that, uh, no, I do actually I have judgment <laughs> on it. I think, I think that's a mistake. Um, you know, I think that's a mistake. And so that that's part of it for me is like, is there, is there some merit in engaging with the world cup and like continuing to use that engagement as a way to have my eyes open and to learn something different and see something different and to know, you know, the same way there's good and bad to American culture. There's good and bad to this Qatari culture. And that doesn't outweigh the reality of this Kefala system or LGBT treatment there. Like it just doesn't, but also like there's something I've learned more about the world from engaging with soccer as a sport than I have from anything else really in my life. Um, and I think that matters too. Like it matters that I know more about the world and I know about different people and I know what happens in different countries and I know where different countries are. And maybe that's just part of us geography and the teaching or lack thereof of teaching around that. But like a lot of that stuff I wouldn't have known if I had never started following the sport. And, um, yeah, I just, I think it matters that I'm aware and in, in some level, like if you're going to shut things down as a way of like, okay, protest, but also like in a way that's going to decrease awareness, then maybe that's not great. Yeah. And there's some really important points in what you're saying there. Um, and like, I would absolutely agree with you that it, we all need to find the purpose, purposefulness in what we do and what we support and what we fight for. And it has to be important to us on a personal level. So the for 99.9% .9 of the footballing population, not buying the Sun newspaper means nothing i don't need a vpn i've got nothing to hide <laughs> this is what i used to tell myself before i hooked up with libertyshield.com not only is my home internet now fully encrypted but i can now access all the websites i want whenever i want and do so from absolutely anywhere as a liverpool fan i love to know i can now watch every match regardless of whether it's on uk tv or not my Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. But for us as Liverpool fans, it has so much significance. And we as a as a collective fan base don't engage with that newspaper it's still been running for the last 30 years we still fight though we still don't buy the sun and that's okay because that's important to us somebody else could sit, sit beside me actually i used to have a, <laughs> a colleague who sat beside me and daily would try and convince me to be vegan because of the you know the, the the rights of the the animals you know and i have no problem with that like you know 
she has she had many fair points and you know i used to throw the very simple argument at her well they're very nice leather shoes you know <laughs> so um but it's a it, we all need to find what's important to each of us for me lgbt rights are very important on a personal level for me and i will that that's a huge element for me in terms of the world cup right in america versus qatar there's a massive difference in the rights Absolutely. of the lgbt community okay um and yes in america it is far from perfect but where is perfect you know it nowhere is so that's a huge part of it for me um but I actually think, and, and Russia did bring this up, and I've been thinking about it since we discussed it, is in relation to FIFA and how we as supporters, as players, as managers, um, accept the corruption within the organizing body because we love the game and i think there is a bigger conversation to be had about the responsibility of fifa as the governing body and uefa and again what we could all do is say well look everyone knows what they're like and they still get away with it but there's always a but for me. What can we do? If it's important enough to us, should we do something about it? I think that there's an important point there. Like, fans stopped the Super League. That yeah. is the bottom line. Fan organizations stopped the Super League. And so there's power there. But it has to be organized. And, like... You know, I agree. And that, you know, that's also part of the, the boycotting question that I have a lot. And like, as a conversation I had with one of my friends where I, like, I quickly realized my analogy was pretty bad, but like, um, I think it's really important, like, and Rasha made this point too, is like passing things down to individual responsibility. And is it response, like, is it players individual responsibility or fans individual responsibility? And, you know, really looking at the people who have the power to make change at FIFA, the sponsors, like the, you know, to some extent, like the different FAs and, and like uh, teams, you know, like that was the level at which change could have been made and pressure could have put on di been put on differently and like things could have been really changed. And so, you know, I think sometimes when things trickle down to individual responsibilities, you have all of these different sponsors and groups who are just get away with things like recycling in the United States was started by plastics companies to get people comfortable with the idea of using single use plastics, which people initially thought was horribly wasteful. And it turns out it is. But having a recycling bin where half of it goes to a landfill, or actually 95% of it in the United States goes to a landfill is what I recently saw. Only 5% of recyclables actually can be recycled because of the different kinds of plastics. Um, but people feel good about it because they're recycling, right? And so, like, then nothing changes because we feel like we're doing our part. So if everyone just recycled, then this wouldn't be an issue. And I think that's really complicated, too. Like, there's no organized action to change the bigger issue with plastics. And so I think, you know, it's really important then that boycotting this World Cup or not engaging with this World Cup the way you would engage with most World Cups doesn't replace pressuring FIFA to make substantial change. And I think another really important thing that Rasha discussed was, Rasha discussed was um, ideas about what that change should entail needs to come from people who are affected, right? And like, so, she, you know, she talked a lot about how the activism that will likely take place for the, in the World Cup around LGBT issues, like while on the one hand, like might raise awareness and might be like good in some ways, like also like Qatari citizens can't engage with that for fear of the backlash they'll face. That's mm -hmm. just, there's not a setup there that would allow them to meaningfully engage in that kind of activism in a way that would allow them to get a foothold. Um, so, the, you know, it's not to say it's a meaningless form of activism or protest, but like it's not something that's going to create lasting change there. I think, um, you know, 
who are we doing this for? And are we doing this in consultation with them? And like, what would that look like for FIFA to be working in consultation with certain groups on the ground that are there? Because, you know, as much as like the, the World Cup isn't going to change Qatari policy, like there's a ton of money associated with the World Cup and like finding ways to give like material benefit and like, you know, like Rasha talked about, like providing health care for like transgender people in Qatar, like stuff like that, that does make meaningful change. And so maybe that would be what it is. Like, how can there be money and material benefit provided to people who are affected by this? Like the sponsors for the World Cup should be getting together to compensate all of the families of people who have lost people. That doesn't change it. It doesn't make it better. But like the fact that that's not happening, people are putting pressure on Qatar, but no one's putting pressure on sponsors to fork over money, and they should be. Absolutely. And, you know, when there is a, a collective organization of things, that that is where we can actually make significant change. And, again, like we're not talking here about making overnight change so and and i think those suggestions russia had were really important where it's about putting pressure on the government to actually accept or to acknowledge um that lgbt people deserve rights um but until then doesn't mean we can't still support them until there is that change Mm-hmm. And that's where the groundswell comes then. And ultimately, the like, I think that's the big thing about government. People don't realise the power that they have until there is a collective. Um, like in Ireland, the, the example we had was a few years ago that the government tried to introduce water charges. And water has always been free in Ireland. Well, relatively free. Um, and people took to the streets. And people protested and protested and, like, actually wouldn't allow them to put the meters into houses. And, like, there was a serious mobilisation. And they shelved it. But it was the coordinated approach to actually making change and fighting for a cause that brought people together because everybody was affected. And I think that is part of the issue. Not everybody is being affected by LGBT rights not being given equal measure. Not everybody is being affected by women's rights not giving, being given equal measure. And that's where the problem lies, or one of the problems lies. Mm-hmm. So... You can ask me if I'm watching. Is that, <laughs> I feel like that's coming. I got to be honest, I think the answer is probably yes. And I'll see how it feels. And I'm not positive I'll enjoy it. And if I don't, I'll probably turn it off. But like I, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go into it just being like, no, I'm like, I'm not going to watch. And like, I think I'm not going to try and justify that. You don't need to. Like, well, but like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, part of the podcast is like, we're talking so I can justify it and people can hear my justification. But like, I, like when I say I'm not going to justify it, it's not me saying I don't owe anyone a justification. Like, I think it's just like, I don't have one exactly. And like, you know, that, 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 that maybe that's like totally bizarre and weird, but like, there's just so much associated with this World Cup that's wrong. This is already the World Cup of shame, I think. And so, like, <laughs> that doesn't excuse me watching it shamefully, I suppose. <laughs> but, but like, I think holding that and watching it and seeing how this goes and, like, I don't know. That just was what... where I've landed. Hmm. I think you will watch it. I think you'll enjoy it. Because what will happen is when the, first, when the first whistle goes, you're just watching a football match. You're not sitting thinking about, oh, look, they're working things out. There's a good chance that uh, 100 uh, or 1,000 people died building that part of the stadium or that part. Of the That's not going to come into your head. 
I don't. I think it will. Do you? I, every time I've opened, every time I've seen stuff about the World Cup, and I was going to click on the U.S. to see the rosters, there was some part of me that was like, "Do you really want to do this?" And then thought about the conversations we've had, and then thought like, "I haven't made up my mind yet," and closed it. And I don't think I'll be able to watch a game without looking at the stadium and like having that stadium, like the place where it's located. It's right there. How can that not be a physical reminder that people were? cast aside and treated like their lives were worth nothing so you could watch this game that's such a powerful statement though isn't it but like that's the reality that like that to me is what it means to watch this world cup with your eyes open is to like if you know what you know and you're seeing the stadium then like you know how that stadium was built and like some part of your brain recognizes that whether you're consciously paying attention to it or not, some part of your brain knows if you've paid attention to this, that people died building the stadium and not just died, but like people were treated like nothing. So you could watch this sporting event. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to enjoy it with that also taking place in my brain, but I'm going to give myself a chance. That's bizarre. It's really bizarre, but it's also where I fall. Hmm. It's going to be an interesting... I'd love to be a fly in the wall, Andrew, to watch you <laughs> watching the World Cup to see the, the internal turmoil <laughs> that you experience uh, where, you know, the USA score a goal and you're like, yay, woo, boo, 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 yay, boo. Well, Al, as, a, as a psychologist, holding <laughs> internal turmoil. <laughs> I'm I don't, I, you know, I'm not trying to make light of this conversation. It's a very no, important no, conversation. No, no. It's, it's important, and but I also think like it's okay. It's possible to joke without making light of all mm. the other stuff we've talked about. Yeah, and also I accidentally scheduled a client during the second half of the USA game. Accidentally, now Andrew, or was that? Your... I mean, who knows, right? But yeah, no, like I, I had put it in my calendar months and months and months ago. And I was like, all right, just like leave that open, leave it open. And then uh, I just had a regular client and I didn't really think about when the game was. And so I was like, all right, like next week at two. I was like, yeah, deal, see you then. And I was like, later that day, I was like, oh, like that's the second half. So, oops. I'm, I'm proud of you, Andrew. And maybe, maybe, maybe you you can take your fee from that and donate it to an LGBT uh, organization, uh, and that would make me even prouder of you. You, know what? you have to do it now. I'm going to take. I'm going to take my part of your award check that you so graciously offered me at the start of the podcast, and I will be donating that along with my fee. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, sorry, kids, we're not eating tonight because I have to give my money to charity. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew, thank you so much for your candidness as well and, and your openness in, in discussing your process through this. I think it's very important. It's been, um, I think these podcasts have been very important as well. They've been important to me, even if they've not been important to anybody else. They've been important to us and... It is what it is, but I, th I hope what we've done is we've provided people with a platform to just look beyond the football or the football argument, you know, just look beyond it and see, is there something else that we can take on board and maybe look at in the bigger scheme of the world and can we contribute? So whether that's People saying, right, okay, I'm going to watch the World Cup, but maybe I'll start to, you know, volunteer at my local food bank or something like that. Fantastic. You know, it, it, it's all going to come in different shapes and sizes and we all do what we can as best as possible. So if we can all take away to maybe just look at our communities and see what can we do to maybe help in our communities a bit more, that's mobilization and that has as much merit as anything else. So if that's a positive people can take out of these World Cup discussions on Anfield Index Pro, well, I'm happy with that. And come, you know, the, the Mindfield Discord channel 
is sometimes quieter than some of the other Discord channels. And that's not to discount, like, we have people who engage often in there and, like, it's greatly appreciated and we enjoy it. But, like, I think, you know, if there's people who have listened to these three podcasts and have their own thoughts about will they be watching or will they not be watching or why or what stood out to them from, you know, listening to Rasha or listening to Josie and, you know, how they make sense of this and make sense of their engagement, I'd love to hear it. I'm going to be look like I always look at it actually. And then like, I just like struggle to engage with the internet because it's part of my thing. But like, um, I will be responding and like, you know, talking with people in there. Like if people have stuff to say, like, I really want to hear it. And it's been great engaging with you around this Al. And like, you know, I think talking about it with other people is also important. So, um, yeah, I encourage you to come, if you've got some ideas or got some thoughts or got some reactions, come like put those in the, the discord channel. Cause it's an important conversation to be had. That's a great shout, Andrew. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, if someone has to win the world cup, I hope it's America for you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Crying the whole time. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, subscribers thank you so much for your ears we really appreciate you tuning in as Andrew said please jump in the discord and do let us know what your thoughts on these podcasts did you find them beneficial were they useless were they pointless anything is, is open for discussion but we'd love to hear from you and until next time take care of yourselves we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.